How do you do these things you do? So he came to Jesus for what he could do. He came to Jesus because of what he'd seen. But Jesus didn't answer his question. Jesus said, I'm telling you something even more important. However good you seem, or whatever you've done, whatever you've lived through, whoever you've hurt, whatever you've said, whatever you've experienced, you must be born again. Because without being born again, Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter when you've done it, whether you did it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or you did it this morning. That's not the question. The question is, are you born again? Has Jesus come into your life and given you new birth through the Holy Spirit? And Nicodemus, who came wanting something, an answer to how does Jesus do the miracles, said, I don't understand Jesus. How can I go and be born again? I've already been born once. And Jesus answered him, he said, it's a different sort of birth. It's a birth of the spirit and when you're born again of the spirit it will change you it will get rid of that old life and give you new life so right now here's what jesus is offering he's offering new life a different life and jesus says he is the one thing you need to do to get hold of that new life you need to die. Not die when you get to 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 or whatever, but you need to give, my, you that old li give me that old life and I'll give you a new one. But you need to be serious about it. It's not about just saying a prayer or getting a ticket or anything like that. It's actually saying, Jesus, I want you. I want you. I want you to take away all the stuff and all the baggage and all the hurt and all the things that I've done wrong and I want to give you to give me a new life. In exchange, I'll give you that old one, Jesus. You must be born again. It's not coming to church that matters. Nicodemus went to church all the time. It's not been a religious person. Nicodemus was a religious person. It's not what you've done or haven't done. It's whether you'll give him your life 
and get a new one in exchange. So if you want to do that right now, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to do it kind of out in front of everybody. So don't worry. But it's got to be a genuine prayer. And if you've never said that prayer, you need to say it now. Because that is the only way into the kingdom of God. And if you've said that prayer and you said, Jesus, I gave you my life. But over the years, it's kind of faded and become less important and you've been going through the motions. Jesus is still offering you new life. Every day, things are made new. So if that's you too, I want you to pray this prayer. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to shut their eyes. Don't want you looking around. Don't want you being nosy. This is a moment between each of us and God. I'll say the prayer. Jesus. I thank you that you came to give us new life. I thank you that you've offered to take away all the stuff and all the baggage and all the things that I've been carrying and give me a new life in return. So right now, Jesus, even though I know I'm not good enough, I give you everything. And I'm trusting you that you are good enough and that you have paid the price for my old life to cease and new life to begin. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to give me new birth, new life, a fresh start. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to set my heart on fire for you, to live for you, to go after you with all that I have and all that I am. I ask you to be my King, Jesus. Amen. And keep your eyes shut, everybody. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand up. I'm not going to do anything like crazy and whatever, but I just need to know if you prayed that prayer. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Listen carefully. I'm going to ask you at the end of the meeting to go to somebody who sat near you or you know really well and tell them that you've prayed that prayer. And ask them to help you follow it through. Is that okay? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Let's take our communion cups. See, when uh, Jesus said, he was talking about being born again. What he was saying is that, I'm going to die so you don't have to. I'm going to give my life for you so that you can have eternal life. And he did that through his body and his blood. His body that paid the price of all the wrong stuff that we've done and will do. And his blood that washed us clean. So as we take the, uh, the wafer thing, the bread, we remember that he has paid the price that we couldn't pay. That we could never be good enough to pay. And he paid it for us. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we take the, the cup, remember his blood shed for us, poured out, that washes us clean and gives us that new life, that fresh start. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Glory to you. Hallelujah. So if you, children, if you'd like to go out now. At the end of the meeting, one of the, the, I'm going to do two little mini meetings. Uh, you should have been contacted. Uh, about that. So the first one, the one I'm going to do first, which is quite short, is for those who are involved in service opening. And basically, as soon as the service is finished, we're going to go upstairs to one of the, the classrooms, and then I'll go through that. And then the second meeting is for those who are involved in welcome. Because one of the things that we've been conscious of ever since kind of lockdown and every, all the things we couldn't do, is that we weren't really managing to follow through with people who really wanted to be part of the church. So we've introduced or, or put together a new um, way of connecting and welcoming. So if you came this morning for the first time, you haven't experienced that. that, that that's the old thing. But we still need to know who you are, and we still love to uh, get to know you. We still love to be in contact with you. Uh, so just fill out the, the welcome card, and, uh, and then it'll go from there. Uh, and fill the card in, put it in the offering basket near the door, and then some, we'll be in touch. And uh, you'll start to get information for us so you don't miss what we're doing. But we were introducing a new process because... 
What we want to do is make it really simple to connect to the church and to grow in this church. Our mission as a church is to lead people into relationship with Jesus. And so that's a really simple thing, but it's a lifetime project. That's what we're about, leading people into a relationship with Jesus. That, that we know him, that he's the message. He's the, he's the, the one we preach. He's the one we, we, we live for. He's the one we've given our lives for. And so we want it to be really simple for everybody that God sends us to know how they can grow and go deeper and connect with the church. We're not a church and never have been a church that just that does loads of programs. Because we want to focus on relationship with Jesus. And so we want to be able to communicate the essential steps in doing that. So that's why we're doing this welcome briefing this morning and then we're going to start to uh, bring that through from next week. So you might notice, well, if you're an oldie, as you've been around for years, you won't notice any changes. You'll still get a hug at the welcome table, so that'll be fine. And you'll still have the same faces to chat to. Um, but for people who want to join and connect to the church, then it should be a lot clearer and a lot simpler. Um, here's why I'm telling the whole church this. It's, it's really important that we know uh, what we do and why we do it. And the reason we do... And, and we want to do this welcome process, it's not so we can have somebody's details on the database. It's so we can connect with them and love them and lead them to Jesus and a, a deeper relationship with him. And so everybody can play their part in that. So when you see somebody you don't know, go and talk to them. It really matters. It's important. We've got better at that, but we could still do a lot more. And so we want people to know that they're important to us because they're important to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, well, I just thought I'd tell you that because otherwise you'll wonder where everybody's disappearing off to at the end of the service. You'll think, oh, no, something's going on and I'm not part of it. And then... A fear of missing out thing will come and you'll be looking to see what's happening. Well, that's, that's all that's happening, okay? You know, um, it's really important that when we meet together that we are aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But not just when we meet together, when we're at home, when we're at the shops, when we're at work. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be part of our lives. And as I've said in previous weeks, his purpose in being part of our lives is to glorify Jesus and to show us Jesus' heart and to point us to Jesus. And to lead us closer to Jesus. And, it, and it's really easy, isn't it, to just get on with life. 
and forget that we are intended to do that life with him. And last week I talked about how the Holy Spirit is a person. He has power. He does come with his presence, but he's a person. And that means we can relate to him and have a real relationship with him. And in having that relationship with him, he will glorify Jesus through us and in our lives, and he'll change us. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus said some pretty bizarre things. And uh, he had a, just a, a way with words, didn't he? I don't know if you, you, you sometimes like chuckle or you gasp or you, whatever when you read what Jesus said. So he, let me just paraphrase one sentence of Jesus's or two sentences. Hey, guys, I'm going to die a brutal death on a cross and I'm not going to be with you anymore. But let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> I mean, it kind of just doesn't add up, does it? It doesn't add up unless Jesus is a plan and he knows what he's has a plan and he knows what he's doing. Then it adds up. And Jesus knows what he's doing. We can trust him. We can stake our lives on following him. And uh, in John sixteen verse seven, he comes out with another shocking statement. Again. It's kind of a, how does that work then, Jesus? And he said this. This is all in the same bit where he's telling them he's going to die and they don't need to worry about it. And he says this. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. This is truth. Yeah. Whether we think it's, it works or not, this is truth. It's to your advantage that I'm going. But if I don't go away, the help of the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I leave you, he's going to come. And there's always a little word in these sentences, isn't there? And the word is, nevertheless. And I, whenever I see something like that, I think, well, nevertheless what? Here's what Jesus has just been explaining to them. He's been explaining to them the cost of following him. And... Remember, these guys who were following him, his disciples, they're Jewish. And basically, Jesus has told them, the cost of following me when I'm no longer here is that you are going to get thrown out of the churches you've, went, you've gone to all your life because they won't accept you. And when that happened in Jewish culture, that wasn't just about 
not been asked not to come to church again. That was, you're not part of our community. You're not, we're shunning you and we're shunning those who are with you. And so when the disciples walk down the street, Jesus is effectively saying to them, your family's going to hate you. The people you've been going to church with, they're going to hate you because there's a cost of following me. Nevertheless, not, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because I'm going to send you something or someone that is better for you than me being here personally. That's really weird, isn't it? Like, given the choice... Would you, like Jesus, sat in the front row or not? What would be better? I mean, it's great having Uber and Hella here, and it's really good having Cheryl to remind me to all the things I need to do. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have Jesus than me? The answer is yes. <laughs> like, Jesus here, everybody gets healed. How's that for a start? Jesus here, he tells you the truth. You hang on every word. He's full of the Holy Spirit all of the time. He speaks all the time what he is from the Father. What can be better than that? Well, according to Jesus, there is something that's better than that. And that's that the Holy Spirit's coming. He was coming when Jesus talked about He's here now. Just going back to it, Jesus just said to them, hey guys, here's how it works. Whoever kills you will think they've done a good thing. But let not your heart be troubled because I'm going and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. It's not looking like a good offer, is it? Because they've basically seen Jesus... uh, walk on water, raise the dead, all those sort of things. And now he's telling them he's going to die and they're going to get this Holy Spirit and it's better than him being around, walking on water, casting out demons, not being able to be touched by those who want to harm him and all the rest of it. But Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. However odd it seems to us, he's telling us the truth that the time that we live in right now today is more privileged than having him sat on the front row. Why is that? How can that be? And and, and why... Is it better for me and better for Roger and better for Katie and better for Arinta and better for everybody else that we've got the Holy Spirit? I just want you to imagine what happens if Jesus is stood at the front of church. So let's just imagine right now that Jesus is there. What changes? I'll tell you what changes. 
There's no empty chairs. There's no space in this building. There's no space on that field. And there's no space in Trumpington to hold the crowd. And so if you're ill and you're sick and you're in pain and, and your life's falling apart, you're queuing for three years to get to see Jesus for 10 seconds. To get to the man who can do the miracle. And Jesus is saying, here's what I'm going to do. That doesn't work if my kingdom is to spread across the earth. Because I can't be everywhere. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And if you'll abide in me and my words will abide in you, you'll carry the Holy Spirit wherever you go. And he'll talk to you. And he'll give you the answers you need. And he'll do miracles. And he'll change lives. And he'll change your life. And he can be everywhere. That's why it's better. So we have this incredible responsibility to carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to let the Spirit, who is one with our spirit, speak to us and guide us and give us his wisdom and his knowledge and, and, and his answers so that the whole world can reach Jesus. And when you put it like that, Jesus is right, isn't it? It's better for us and the rest of the world that we can get to him. Because when we, our lives are touched by the Holy Spirit, Jesus can get to us and we can get to Jesus through the Spirit. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Here's something else that Jesus said. John 14, verse 16. I will pray to the Father, and he'll give you another helper so that the, he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth who the world can't receive because it doesn't know him or see him. But you'll know him, for he dwells with you, and he's going to be in you. Let me just explain that. He's telling the disciples that while he's there, the Holy Spirit is there because he's full of the Holy Spirit and the anointing and power and presence of the Holy Spirit is resting on Jesus. So he's with them. But he's going to be in you when you're born again, when you get the new birth through the Spirit, when I've died and risen and made that possible. And he says, this, this Holy Spirit who I'm going to send, he's got a name. He's got a nature. And the nature is, he's the helper. Now just go with me a, a little bit. He doesn't say just the helper. He says, another helper. Another of what? 
it's really, I, I was teaching Truth Quest yesterday, and it, it's really important we read every word. Because words were precious in those days. Because they didn't have books, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have iPhones, or galaxies, or whatever. They had scrolls. They had big, heavy scrolls on poles. So if you were going to carry these around, and there wasn't many of them to carry around, if you were going to carry them around, they were heavy, they were awkward. And so words that were written on those scrolls were really precious. So we read every word. And so he says, another helper. Not just, I'm going to send the helper, I'm going to send another helper. And that word, uh, another it's got to mean something, hasn't it? Well, here's what it means when it was written in the language they wrote in. It means, I'm going to send you somebody exactly like me. The same nature, the same character, just absolutely, totally like me. That's the word another. Another of the same kind. So what's it like to have Jesus with us all the time because another of exactly the same kind is with every one of us? That means if we can get our heads around it, all the time we have this offer extended to us that we have the healer with us that we have the teacher with us, that we have the deliverer with us, that we have the miracle worker with us, that we have wisdom with us, that we have truth with us, that we have uh, direction and purpose with us. And then he calls him helper. Many of you will know what that word is in the original language, paraclete. Which means absolutely nothing to you. But I'm going to tell you what it means. Because it's important. If you're just telling your disciples, there's going to be another person who comes who's exactly like me, totally like me. And his name is Bob. Or Chris. Or Ray. Or Christina. Or whatever. Names are important, aren't they? Well, the Holy Spirit has this name, and his name is Helper. Paraclete. So it's important. Jesus, he said, there's somebody coming who's going to be just like me, exactly like me, and here's He's, what he's going to do is so important, that's what we've called him. That's what he's called. He's called the helper. What does paraclete mean? Now, if you've heard a, a preach on this or teaching on it before, you're all going to turn around and say it means advocate or intercessor or whatever. Well, yes. That's correct. 
But actually, it means something much deeper than that. It's made up of two words, para and cleat. What does para mean? Well, para means nobody closer. Nobody closer. And cleat, or kale, means to speak or to call. Here's what he's saying. I'm going to send you the helper. And by helper, this is what I mean. I mean, I'm going to send you somebody who is so close to you and knows you so well and walks through everything with you that he understands everything about you and everything about the situation you're facing. Because there's nobody closer to you than him. Even your wife or your husband or your best friend, they're not closer. Why? Because he's in you and upon you. And he's, and he's not going anywhere. And, and because he's so close, he's always available. And he always understands and, and he's capable of understanding the significance of everything in the big picture of the world that you can't see. And he knows exactly what to do about it. So let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. So when I was thinking about that, this is what I wrote down. This is my definition of the Holy Spirit. The one who is so close that they lead, strengthen, encourage, and call you forward into the life that God has for you, sharing the heart of God and teaching your heart. That's, what the, that's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what he's about. The one who is so close that they lead, strengthen, encourage, and call you forward into the life that God has for you, showing his heart to you and teaching your heart. See, we don't have a remote God. What we have is forgetfulness about how close he is. You know, it, it increasingly breaks my heart to see how the church just does not care 
about the Holy Spirit. And he's all we have on this earth. We do all our stuff. And he's in the room. And it's like he's not even there. We have our management meetings and our strategy meetings and our building meetings and our finance re raising meetings and our how to plant churches meetings and how to grow your church meetings and how to surface your car park meetings. And he just gets ignored. And we say, send revival, Lord, to our land because we're in a mess. And he goes, why are you shouting? I'm here. Why do you keep telling me? I know. All I want is people that will recognize that I'm in the room all the time and bring me into their life. And if you'll do that, you'll see Jesus. You'll see the kingdom. It's crazy, isn't it? When you think about it, how much stuff we do as if he wasn't there. It's just stupid. It's better for you that the Holy Spirit's here than Jesus. Make no doubt about it, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. Wouldn't it be tragic if we didn't know the one who was here all the time? Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are here right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're right here. And I can sense you, I can feel you. I know you're here. And I'm sorry for all the times you're in the room and I ignore you. I'm sorry for all the stuff we get caught up in that you have the answers to and you have the power to change and, and turn around and, and you know what to do and we think we're so, so clever that we can do all this without you. So I'm asking, Lord, that you would lead us into a greater revelation of how we can hear your voice, know your presence, and remember that you're here. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we need revival in this land, but first of all, revive us, Lord. Revive us 
with your presence. Revive us so that we know you. And we see you. And you do the miracles. You do the deliverance. You do the salvations. You do the, 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 the wisdom. You do the strategizing. You do the, 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 all the things that we need answers to and have no answers to. Not that we might write books about it, but so that you can finally close the books and Jesus can come. Lord, I'm believing for one final move of your spirit in this land before you return. I'm believing for you to prepare a beautiful bride for yourself. So, Holy Spirit, we look to you. We refocus on you. And we ask you to show us Jesus. Because you're his perfect representation. Amen. Praise you, Lord. You know, I was uh, sat in our living room this morning. I'd been worshipping. Just, just so you know, Cheryl thinks I've been behaving really weird this morning. But what happened was, I was in, I was in the room and I was... Um, I was actually listening to a song called uh, On the Altar. And I was just talking to the Holy Spirit. And I said, and, and it was just like, man, I wonder who left the windows open last night. And I'm looking around, and all the windows are shut, but there's a gale blowing through our room. And it was like, I have no idea. Like, what do you do? Like, man, this, this is like real. <laughs> and it's kind of, and I just said, why, why are you doing that, Holy Spirit? I get the whole wind of your spirit thing, that's kind of cool. But, but why, why have you chosen this moment? Oh, I'm just reminding you I'm here. And he's here for anyone who just acknowledges he's there. It's so important we start to do this. We've got to move this from Christianity to relationship. Because that's why the Holy Spirit was sent. You know, Jesus didn't waste his words. He was serious. It is better for us that the Holy Spirit is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's give him thanks. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Three in one. Glory to you. Amen.